So what's your favorite color? My favorite color is burgundy. Such a good answer. Um, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Pistachio. Good one. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Ooh, butter, butter, buttercups. I, th- I think that'd be... Is that what they're called? Buttercups? Buttercups? Yeah, yeah. yeah, the yellow ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have... Um, okay. What's your favorite childhood book? Oh, my days. Um... The Sisters of the Islamic Center of Bloomington invite you to explore hijab from a personal perspective. We want to share the importance of hijab, why we choose to wear it, and what it means to us, in the hopes that by listening to our stories, you will come to better understand who we are as Muslims, women, and humans. The Hijabi Diaries. Muslim women speaking for themselves. So when you were a kid, did you have a stuffed animal and what was its name? I had loads of stuffed animals, but I didn't give them names. You didn't give them names? I didn't give them names. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, Okay. uh... I'm sitting in my room in my apartment just on the border between Kensington and Hammersmith in West London. It's not far from the theater where I first met Shifa. Shifa, who is now sitting across from me, sipping on her pearl milk bubble tea. Outside, it's raining. Well... It's London-style raining, which is more of a constant light drizzle in comparison to the Midwestern downpour. Although evening has set in, cars are still zipping up and down Holland Road, north towards Westfield Mall, and south towards Earl's Court and Kensington High Street. Inside the apartment, though, it's warm and dry, and Shifa is emitting a humor, passion, and blazing sunshine in equal measure— as she speaks to me about herself and the way that she's come to understand the world differently as she's reacquainted herself with God and Islam over the past year. I'm Aubrey Cedar, and you're listening to The Hijabi Diaries. Hi, uh, I'm Shifa. I'm a writer and performer, and yeah, I just love all things creative. So I'm from North London. Originally, I was born in Algeria, but I've spent the rest of my life in London, so I identify more with that side of me. Although she does identify as a Londoner, Shifa tells me she's working to get more in touch with her Arab roots at home in Algeria. Currently, unfortunately, there's a, a political situation that's happening right right now, which I'm, I've got mixed feelings about at the moment. Shiva is alluding to a present uneasiness within Algeria at the moment, where an aging president whose time in office has been long, but whose popularity and credit among the people is dwindling and strained, has announced that he will run again. This announcement has sparked protests across the country and also here in London, most recently on St. Patrick's Day weekend in Trafalgar Square. Let's just hope they they come to a nice kind of um, conclusion and just solve it all because, yeah, it would mean that I, w- I can't go there um, anytime soon. Shiva's memories of the place that she comes from are fond. She looks forward to visiting family and friends every summer. Yeah, um, in terms of where I'm from, yeah, all my family is in Algeria, like all my uh, kind of external family, my grandma, my auntie, my cousins. So there's a lot of kind of um, fun stuff going on whenever, whenever I go there in the summer. I miss them a lot. And I just wish I grew, I just wish I spent more time there because not only is my Arabic really, really awful, but it's just in terms of every time I go there in the summer, I'm kind of, I feel like a stranger there. 
do you know what I mean it's like I'm in this house and yeah everyone's my family and and there's all of like different types of social events going on a wedding and it's nice but I just can't help but not only feel that that language barrier but it's also the things that kind of makes my cousin what she is like I don't know values and whatnot I just wish I kind of had that same kind of not the same kind of upbringing, but a certain upbringing there that made me understand what the Algerian life is really, really about, if that makes sense. My mom would say I'm not British because, um, and I agree, Brit- being British is not my first, first kind of real identity, even though I've spent a lot of time here. Because um, I will, as my mom always say, I will always have my country back home. I will always go back to it. Um, and it would be really, really nice to kind of get to know that side of me and not the side I was introduced to that I didn't really like, but the real kind of community um, discovery side of Algeria that I haven't known yet. Shiva was born and raised Muslim, but recently she's taken a spiritual journey that rooted her in a unique sense of her own faith. What is your relationship to Islam and like being Muslim? Um, you know, I feel like I've definitely had a very kind of interesting journey with it because there there have been moments where I haven't really been close to my religion. But that's interesting because those moments that I wasn't close to my religion was because I was applying culture, cultural rules to um, what religion is, which is not the right thing to do at all. They're completely two separate things. Like, for example, in culture, something that is not forbidden in religion can be forbidden and it can be for patriarchal reasons it can be for um uh, i don't know uh, a reason to suit someone's interest and that's one mistake i made but then recently i've had a kind of a gap year where i got out of education i got out of all of these institutions where um i've been kind of brought up to think a certain way and to kind of um not really have enough time to think by myself and taught and they've you know taught me what I should do taught me what I should like and what I should not like taught me how to behave and I've just not never had a moment to myself to kind of really really explore what I'm all about and what my religion is all about so yeah alhamdulillah like this year has really been um it has really gave me a chance to kind of fully explore my religion and it's been a wonderful journey. I've never felt so connected because it's the first time I've actually delved deeper into religion and not culture, not from someone else's word, but by God's words. And I've never felt like such a better person. I've never felt such um, so mature before. I've never had so much patience before. I've never had so much kind of... Um, yeah, basically it's made me very patient. It's made me very um, present in terms of being aware of other people's situations and if I can help in any, literally any small way. And it's also kind of um, developed uh, a relationship with my parents that I thought I would never have in terms of being really close to my mom and especially my dad. And just, yeah, I've never thought I can talk about certain things that I can, with my parents that I would ever talked about if it wasn't for putting religion first before anything else, before any of my choices. I would say religion really affects a lot of my choices I make and it's for the better because at the end of the day, it's for the right reasons and it's for the right values and right beliefs and it's ultimately is for God because um, at the end of the day, you are just a human being. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you can handle everything that comes your way. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're some special human being that can do anything and um, create anything. No, you're meant to be a human being and you're meant to kind of uh, realise that at the end of the day, it is part of God's plan in a way. And 
people fight people uh, get some people get really annoyed because they feel like they have they feel like the word submit is oppressive but it's actually not it's realizing that there are things that are beyond your control that you just have to trust um you have to trust god with it and i find it so beautiful because it it's basically saying do your best and let god handle the rest that's what it's saying and it's so beautiful but yeah that's my relationship with religion and it's been it's been a really interesting journey and I'm thankful where I am at the moment do you have um I mean you answer this a lot but I just like it occurred to me like is there any just part of the Quran that just like really like warms your heart that you're just like this is (laughs) this is like my fave part this is what really resonates like what is it you know, I've got a lot of screenshots on my phone, yeah. But something that really, really, really resonates with me is the, um, there's a section, uh, according to my memory, uh, uh, don't fully quote me on this, but the quote is something like, um, and we've made you into tribes so that you may know each other. And it's such a beautiful concept. Like, it's just to say that it defeats a lot of a lot of evil, a lot of oppression, a lot of uh, racism. Do you know what I mean? It's just there to kind of let you know that, yeah, um, there, there are different groups of people, but that's not a bad thing. And I think it's such a beautiful way to kind of introduce this rich, uh, different types of rich culture. And it's just beautiful. I love it. And especially me, it works with me in so many different ways because I love traveling. I love getting to know people. And just to see it in a holy book by God's words, like it's amazing because God is telling you to get to know other people and yeah, it's beautiful. It's like, it it, it, it seems paradoxical. Yeah. Like when you look at it, it's yeah. like you you made us different so that we could know each other. Like wouldn't yeah, you want to make exactly. us the same to know each other? And yet it's like, no, I made you different so that you could see, you know, how diverse and crazy mm-hmm. that human life could be. Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah, and there's also another, uh, there's also another, um, little small quote it um again according to my memory don't fully quote quote me on this because i don't want to get anything wrong when it comes to the holy book ah! <laughs> but it's um along the lines of travel and see what god has created and again it's it's just telling you to be proactive in so many different ways and th- the way i interpret that is not it's not only traveling externally but traveling internally like um there's a lot of people who can't afford to you know go on holiday can't afford to go traveling but if you have a, a book that's I don't know about Colombian coffee that for me is inter- internally traveling because you're going to you're kind of going to the edges of yourself even though you can't go to the edges of the world do you know what I mean and it's even if you're watching like a Japanese film and you've and there's English subtitles for me that's also traveling so yeah it's another one of my favorite quotes one of the things we were talking about is that um so there's this trend in the media of of sort of like sort of you know like you know portlandy when they're like put a bird on it you know i feel like it's like put a hijab on it <laughs> like put a hijab on this woman and then we're multicultural right like put a hijab on the runway and like or it or it's not a hijab like can you talk to me about like what seeing this kind of portrayal of the hijab yeah. in the media means to you I think, um, to me, well, ever since I was like seven, I've been wearing a hijab and it's changed in many different ways. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm proud about this, but I'm, I wouldn't fully consider that I, for me, I am a full hijab, if that makes sense. Because um, I like to kind of 
I like to explore new things and different kind of um, ways to wear it. But I do see uh, a point where I, I want to start wearing it properly. And um, again, uh, the word properly, even it's different to how, a, I don't know, another Muslim girl might interpret the hijab and what it looks to her in terms of wearing it and whatever. But it's interesting because when we were talking about earlier, I was just ranting all about it. But um, yeah, I just hate it when a lot of organizations or companies or whatnot use it just to fulfill their interests and um whether it's com whether it's for commercial reasons or for diver diversity reasons and, and whatnot i think that to properly get to know a hijabi or a muslim in general isn't just by their exterior do you know what i mean it's also about their interior like and i the greatest example i can give you is if you're actually going out there and doing your best to kind of make your place diverse and, you know, you're hiring all of these Muslim people, do you even have a prayer space for, for these Muslim people? It's getting to know uh, a Muslim person to that level of, to that extent that you're um, fully understanding them in terms of what they do on a daily basis, like pray five times a day. A lot of hijabis I know uh, pray a lot five times a day. And yeah, it's, for me, it's, understanding that it's not just the hijab it's beyond that and you have to remember that a lot of women wear hijabs because of their religion and if you want to understand the hijab you have to understand the religion and when companies push this kind of um you know commercialized concept of the hijab like putting it on i don't know a shampoo campaign i'm not gonna bait out the name but we all know it but um yeah i think that it's really sad because it's like they're only going to accept these group of uh, young women who wear um, this fabric around their head that they call uh, a hijab and they're only going to accept us when it benefits them. I think um, like a lot of important things and a lot of deeply, a lot of valuable things, for example, for me is my hijab and what it means to me. And it's not for me, it's not just some cloth. It's deeper than that. It's a spiritual connection with God. And a lot of people just don't understand that. That's why it's so easy for them to put it on a front page, a front page of a magazine, because they think it's just, um, that's that's their way of accepting them, if, if it makes sense. But for me, it's on a much more deeper level. It's understanding why they wear it in the first place. And it's also... I hate when things become a trend because when, when it becomes a trend, it loses its value and its importance. And that's what's happening with the hijab in the first place. A lot of things are just, it's just becoming this trend that people think that's that's what's going to fix diversity. But if you don't understand the importance of it in the first place, would you be kind of throwing it around like that, if, if that makes sense? Um... Shifa is an incredible artist in her own right, who works in spoken word and live theater. I asked her what a show or a campaign that actually understood and championed Muslim life and culture would look like. I think what the term beyond that would look like is Muslim people not having to talk about their Muslim identity. That's what it would look like in the first place. It's like there's a, it's like a, there's a lot of, you know, white Christians. They don't talk about their Christi, cri, Christian faith. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's basically that it's when we're put in a room and they ask us to talk about anything in the world and we can finally talk about how much we love Harry Potter, how much we love chocolate. That's what it means to me. It's when we finally have to kind of stop talking about, um, you know, stop kind of being asked the same boring questions, you know. And that's what it looks like to me. When you fully understand it, you don't have to ask about it anymore. Which sounds kind of misleading, but 
it's um for me it's well it's kind of like yeah. if something's woven into the fabric yeah. of how you live your life you don't even have to ask like about yeah. it it's, it's like when um we were doing rehearsals and stuff when everyone it's like i don't i don't need to explain anymore why i need to take five minutes out to go and pray it's when i don't get those weird stares at me when i'm praying it's they ultimately understand that you know this is what they do just let her have her minute that's what it looks like to me it's when we finally don't have to explain ourselves to um a lot of people do you know what i mean even though they there's like one billion muslims in the world do you know what i mean it i, I find it really hard to believe that a lot of people don't know what certain muslim people are doing when you know when they are considered doing these yoga moves when it's actually praying there's one more than one billion muslims in the world how can you not know that honestly yeah for me what that looks like is basically when muslim women for example are put in a campaign that isn't about the hijab that isn't about what it's like to be a muslim woman that's about what they enjoy doing that's about sports that's about i don't know cycling in london that's about yeah just about what they enjoy doing it's finally becoming human enough to talk about more than what you wear and more than what you know more than what uh, yeah that's what it is yeah so it makes me want to ask you questions that are not about <laughs> being a muslim because <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh yeah. shit um <laughs> shit what is this whole show about then <laughs> um Anyway, um... Shiva talked to me more about the journey that she thinks all Muslim people take with their religion. This involves becoming more comfortable being who they are in a world that can make it really hard to fit in, even for a religious community of over one billion practitioners worldwide. I think every Muslim has this ongoing journey when, you know, there are times when they think they're sad about the fact that a lot of people don't understand their religion. There are times when, you know, they feel shy about praying in public or, um, yeah, for me, the journey of it was, I've always been close to my religion ever since I was young. Yeah, I kind of went off the path in many situations, but at the end of the day, I would always come back. So for me, I don't know what a world would look like I don't know what a world without religion would look like for me and even if I was growing up in Britain I would never um I would never let it affect my religion and there have been times when I haven't kind of fulfilled my uh basic duties as a Muslim because I felt embarrassed because I felt um I don't know ashamed I'm I'm, I regretfully say this, but there have times where I felt kind of embarrassed that I would have to, yeah, embarrassed that I would have to explain certain elements of my religion. But that was only because I didn't know a lot for me to feel embarrassed. But for me, it's it's kind of, if you know your religion enough, you're not going to feel ashamed of it and you're not going to feel embarrassed of it. You're going to feel, feel this constant love and constant need to introduce loads of different people to it. And alhamdulillah, that's the stage where I am at my life. And even if I was to live, I don't know, on the other side of the world or a whole different planet, there would be nothing that would affect my religion and affect my relationship that I have with um, myself in terms of, you know, being kind of spiritually woke, if that makes sense. One of the first things that Shifa said to me about the new relationship that she's forged over the past year with her faith is that she's learned how powerful embracing limitations can be. She's found that similarly, embracing the rules of a religion, which to many can seem like a very real and very unnecessary kind of limitation on free will, can empower a person. 
and really lead them towards a better life. A lot of people would, whenever I talk about kind of the rules within um, Islam, a lot of people would take that really negatively because already, I, uh, already for me, they're limiting themselves to understanding why the rules are there in the first place. And for me, let for, for, for now, let's not talk about religion. Let's just talk about how human beings themselves have limits. And, you know, hum- like I was saying earlier, human beings have to take, have to spend, I don't know, at least eight hours, six to eight hours of sleep. Already they're limited to the fact that they can't um, keep doing what they're doing, that they need rest. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a, that's a limit, but that's a good thing because you need rest to kind of, you know, carry on, carry on with your uh, your daily life and things. And yeah, human beings need sleep. Human beings need to um, eat. Human beings need to go to the toilet, do what do do their business. And already that's kind of, yeah, that's a limitation because, um, you know, sometimes we want to do everything, everything in one go. Sometimes we want to be as productive as possible, but because of these, we can't. And we have to accept that because that's for, for our, that's for our benefit, for our benefit to be healthy. And it's that's the same way I look at it in terms of religion. Us human beings have these benefits in terms of sleep, eating, whatever, but it's because um, at the end of the day, it's better for our health. And that's how we look at it when it comes to religion. We have these limitations and we have these rules because it's better for our spiritual health at the end of the day. And uh, for me, it took a lot of, you know, learning and unlearning and understanding and talking to a lot of different people, especially uh, a lot of people who confuse the, you know, culture and religion and that brought more questions. But because I wanted to understand, because I had, I kind of had this connection with religion because it made me a better person. Then I understood why there were limitations in the first place. And, and for me, everything that I have done that went against these rules of religion have gotten me to a place where I had depression, I had anxiety, I had so many um, kind of negative mental health effects and my health was just in a bad place, I felt lonely. And it's no longer that I look at these limitations, uh, these rules as limitations, I look at them as opportunities to develop myself spiritually, in terms of health, in terms of everything that makes me a better person. And yeah, that's what I meant in terms of limitations, Uh, for example, you know, there's a lot of like extreme feminists who I wouldn't really call feminists in the first place, but who think that, you know, if you can't do whatever you want as a woman, da, 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 then you're you're not liberated enough, you're not progressive. And for me, it's that's that's not feminism for me. That's not empowerment, because if at the end of the day, I'm sacrificing my beliefs, my values, everything that made me a better person just to seem progressive to you, just to seem more liberated enough, then that's not feminism. That's that's the opposite of feminism. That's the opposite of empowerment. That's making me go back to the person I was when I was like 13, when I was suffering from depression. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it's this idea that I feel I feel like to pro- to really understand what I'm talking about, you would have to really kind of read um, the, the Quran, which which brought a lot of enlightenment to me in so many ways that that is why I say that limitations for me are much more like opportunities rather than, you know, these rules that a lot of people look at really negatively. So, yeah. But I feel like a lot of people could understand that, like the limit, like you're, you're saying, just like the limitation of needing sleep. Yeah. When you decide that you don't need sleep and you like stay up all night, you can start to see your health decline. Yeah. And as much as you want to press against the limitations of your sleep and your body, like your energy, you know, if you're like out all day and you're doing all this stuff and you want to keep going, you want to, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. There is just a point at which 
you can push through, but then there is a consequence. So it's like if you push your limitations as a person, there are consequences. If you don't eat healthy food, you know, say you want to just like eat cookies all day, then eventually you're going to end up in the hospital Mm -hmm. because your body can't has a limitation of I need these nutrients and yeah. I need them every day yeah. if you don't go out in the sunshine like yeah. there's a bunch of those limitations that are just like biological limitations exactly. but then you also yeah. have your spiritual and your emotional limitations yeah. which everybody comes up against so I think it's just super simple yeah, yeah and and it all affects it affects everything there's that I call it the three three in one your mind your body and your soul and you know if you're not eating properly all of that food that's going into your gut, for me, it affects your mental health, which in turn kind of affects your soul, which in turn affects your spiritual health. So it's it's the whole kind of butterfly effect. But yeah, 100%, if you, it's, it's taking care of yourself biologically is, is as much needed as taking care of yourself spiritually, if that makes sense. So that's what I mean by limitations. Limitations allow you to be... Um, kind of in the middle of everything and that's what for me religion is islam is is being in the middle it's not being it's not overly doing it when it comes to praying that you're you know that it's becoming unhealthy for you that you're not sleeping it's not at the same time at the same time underdoing it in terms of you know um doing all these things all, all these things that you know are bad for you and that you know things like lying and just kind of going against your values all of these things affect everything if that makes sense. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. What's your favorite food? Ooh, Turkish uh, lamb chops with rice and lamb soup. Mm. Wow. Like we just need to be best friends because everything you're saying here is just like giving me life. Um, would you rather um, get your A few days after meeting with Shifa to record this interview, we woke up on Friday, on March 15th, to discover that a horrible tragedy had taken place on the other side of the world. While we slept, the congregation at Christ Church Mosque in New Zealand had been attacked during Juma by a man who went on to kill 49 brothers and sisters and to wound many more. He killed them because they were Muslim. The news media and government of New Zealand have chosen not to speak the name of the attacker because notoriety is what he wanted, and notoriety is the last thing he deserves. Instead, the news media and government of New Zealand speak the names of the deceased. And indeed, over the past week, people around the world have found ways to honor the dead and to honor their families. On the Hijabi Diaries, we don't usually give the full names of our participants, And if you've been wondering why, it's because in a climate like the one we live in, we can't assume that our Muslim neighbors and friends will be safe. Speaking their truth isn't always safe. And so we, as the producers, only use their first names. And we make sure to go over and over our scripts to omit any kind of identifying information. It's a sad story, really, that this kind of strategic anonymity work is even necessary. But here, for the first time, we'd like to speak the full names of our brothers and sisters, our neighbors and friends from around the world, the ones that we lost in the terrorist attack on the Christchurch Mosque in New Zealand 
on March 15, 2019. Daoud Nabi, Naim Rashid, Tala Rashid, Sobail Shahid, Syed Jahandad Ali, Syed Arib Ahmed, Mabub Harun, Ghulam Hussein, Karam Bibi, Zishan Raza, Atta Elayan, Abdel Fatah Wasam Aldoki, Ali Al Mudani, Amgad Hamid, Osama Abu Koik, Kamal Darwish, Khaled Mustafa, Hamza Mustafa, Anzi Alibava, Mahabub Kokar, Ramiz Vora, Asif Vora, Ozair Kadir, Lilik Abdul Hamid, Sayad Milne, Hafiz Musa Patel, Linda Armstrong, Hussein Al Omari, Munir Suleiman, Ahmed Jamal Al Din Abdulghani, Ashraf Al Morsi, Ashraf Al Masri. In addition to these names, four unnamed Jordanian citizens were killed. May Allah grant them all peace. The Hijabi Diaries is a production of the Open-Hearted Campaign to End Islamophobia and of WFHB Bloomington. It is produced by me, Aubrey Cedar, with help from WFHB News Director Wes Martin and Open-Hearted Campaign founder Anna Mighty. The theme music is by Baraka Blue. For more episodes, please check us out on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our website at www.hijabidiaries.com. Thanks to Shifa for sharing her thoughts with us today. And, as always, thanks to you for listening.